Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Before we pray, I'll just explain a little bit about uh, how, uh, maybe a little bit of a difference that I'm going to do as we preach through this sermon series. Uh, I normally read from the ESV from uh, when we preach, but uh, throughout this sermon series, instead of just reading from the ESV every time, I'm going to try and change translations and go back and forth between uh, different translations. You'll see the similarity between them all, but I thought it would be a helpful thing as we go through that we would hear it put in a different way, the, the Word of God translated in a different way. So this morning we'll uh, be going back to, right back to 1611, uh, to the old uh, King James uh, version, so if You hear it a little bit different every week. That's why it's a little bit different, and I'll tell you what translation we're reading from every week. But uh, with the word open before us, let us go to Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks and praise. Lord, that we you see our affliction that has surrounded us, and we pray that you would deliver us, that we would not forget your law. Lord, redeem us and save us. Give us life according to the promises which you have laid out throughout all of Scripture. Lord, we realize that salvation is far from the wicked. They do not seek you or love your statutes. But your mercy is great, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would give us life according to your rules. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 23. Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my, mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Last week, we spent some time looking at the title of the psalm that we got as far as of David as one person told me. But we saw that this is more than just a poem, more than just something that should make us feel good on a down day. But this is God's word to his people. Although David wrote it to God and speaking about God, God has, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, given it to His people that we might be able to learn from it. Not only that it's God's Word to His people, but it's also God's promise about His Son. That is, Jesus walked along the road to Emmaus with those two disciples and He had the, the great Bible lesson that we all wish we would be able to see. That he opened the Bibles to the prophets and said, this speaks of me. He opened the Bible to the law and he said, this speaks of me. And he opened the Bible to the Psalms and says, this speaks of me. 
but it's also not only God's Word to us, God's Word about His Son, but it's also for us to be able to admonish and encourage and teach one another. And we are to do that lastly through the singing of the Psalms. This is a song to be sung by believers as well. Now today, we're starting where you thought we were going to start last week, with verse 1. When these opening words of the psalm, these might be one of the best known words, sentence, found in the Bible. You might say that John 3.16 is one of the most popular among believers. But I would almost say that Psalm 23, especially the first line, the Lord is my shepherd, is probably the most well-known among believers and unbelievers. John Stevenson said, almost the entire psalm may be said to be comprehended in this first sentence. The Lord is my shepherd. But this is one of those things that is is familiar to us. We know exactly the words that are listed. We could utter if I was to put any of you on the spot. Most of us would be able to quote the first line of the psalm if not this first sentence of the psalm. But I think even with our familiarity to it, we we don't realize the bizarreness of this statement. That if we're familiar with it, we don't appreciate what this psalm is actually saying. And I hope to point out this morning that there's three bizarre truths in this one sentence that help us understand this whole psalm. The first bizarre aspect is God as shepherd. God as shepherd. The opening word of this psalm is Yahweh. The name God gave to Moses as he speaks from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. When Moses said, well, who do I say sent me? When, When Pharaoh says, who gives you this responsibility, this power to be able to say, let my people go? Who does this? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Say this to the people also. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name. Forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say, The Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. That this is not merely just a name that David has come up with when he speaks of God being his shepherd. It is the covenant name of God in which all the promises are made. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and all the promises that flow through there, the God which continues throughout all the Old Testament and into the New. This does not speak about a God that we do not know, but the God of the Bible. The God which we worship. The One who made the heavens and the earth and all that is within them. Yahweh. When you think about all these things, all these promises, 
the greatness of God. That this greatness should drive us to praise and adoration. 1 Chronicles 29 says, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed everything that is in the heavens and the earth, Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and You exalt Yourself as head over all. Psalm 47 says, The Lord is the Most High, that He should be feared. The psalmist says that He's the great King over all the earth. All of it is His. We see a magnificent God. That if we were to try and search out the greatness of God, that we would not be able to obtain even just a slither of it. Psalmist writes in Psalm 145 that His greatness is unsearchable. Even the small little slither that we have, we're standing in awe and wonder and amazement of it all. And yet the psalmist says we cannot even search all of it. The Lord is great and He does great things. It does not take you long to flip through the Psalms and see and read of this great things that He has done. But Psalm 23 does not start with the Lord is my fortress, the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my strong tower. He doesn't start by saying all of these things speaking of God's greatness. He does in other psalms, but not Psalm 23. The bizarre thing is that he says, the 23rd Psalm starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Now many people have this glamorous ideas of what a job would be, what it entails. Many people have this idea that if you just do your job as a hobby, if you enjoy your hobby, you'll enjoy your job. It's just a hobby that you do more permanently. And people watch YouTube videos or, or anything and they, they think, oh, I can make this birdhouse, now I'm a master craftsman. Or they bake a single cake and they think of this glamorous lifestyle, wouldn't it be great if I was a baker? And they have this this misunderstanding of what this job would entail. That any job, even if you enjoy it, has the most difficult aspects of it. These jobs are gruesome, tedious. They have no end. The job of a carpenter is, is more than just a birdhouse. It is a physically draining job. Exhausted. Once you finish another project, then you go on to another one. The baker is one filled with early mornings where the bed needs, needed to be baked before the dawn. We have in our mind that some, some sense that it, the job of a shepherd is quite a pleasant one given to us in pictures. If we were to visualize this line in this uh, Psalm 23, we'd picture the scenery. Yeah, a beautiful scene, I'm sure. 
passive sheep all sitting around the still waters. There was sound to this picture. There would be birds tweeting in the background. Ambient sound. And we think of the shepherd as a glamorous job. But it is far from that. The shepherd is not a high job on the food chain. Especially in the ancient near Middle Eastern times. It was a job not for the the oldest, strongest brother. It was a job given to the smallest brother. Those who are big brothers understand that ranking. If you're the youngest, you definitely understand that ranking of systems. When Samuel is sent to be able to go to the house of Jesse to find the next king of Israel... The seven sons passed before Jesse. Where's David? David isn't even called to be able to pass before him. Why? He's not much of a man. He's out watching the sheep. Jesse responds, there is, remains the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. I don't think this is merely just a statement of of Samuel saying to Jesse, uh, Jesse saying to Samuel that, oh, he's not here at the moment. He's not here at the moment because I didn't think he was good enough. He's keeping the sheep. Even Eliab, David's older brother, when he came to be able to, to stand before Goliath, before this, Eliab's sitting there and the, all the people of Israel. David's oldest brother, Eliab, actually ridicules David about his job, about his occupation. When David starts asking questions about Goliath. And what does Eliab turn around in a mocking older brother tone? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Downgrading this job. Even before in Genesis, when Jacob is moving to Egypt, Joseph explains to his father that the occupation of a shepherd is considered an abomination by Egyptians. This in this time was no noble task. Now it's hard to think of a modern day example of what this might entail because there might be someone you know who has this occupation. And I don't mean to be able to utter a job and then seek to be able to downgrade what they do. I think all jobs and occupations are to be able to glorify and enjoy God. And it's not about the rank in which society gives us, it's in how we serve in that position. But maybe you can think of a job, without me offending you, you can think of a job that is low down on the chain. Where the only position you can go is up. You think about any below that and you can't go any further, that all you could do is be able to go up. And this is the job of a shepherd in the Bible. And again, we, we have this, this glamorous thought that the shepherd is some beautiful image. And again, I have no experience of this. But I would say, without a doubt, the job of a farmer is a very difficult job. 
if our family were to survive on my farming skills, we would be a lot thinner and probably non-existent. The animals around us would be well-fed, but our children probably not. But I would say even back in the Middle Eastern times, in this day and age, the job of a farmer is more difficult then than it was today. That here you have a, a farmer in the desert, a shepherd, who would have to take his flock out into the arid desert to try and find grass and water. He would be left alone as he wandered the desert along with his sheep for large periods of time in seasons where there's next to no water. And during this time, the, the shepherd would watch these sheep, care for these sheep, fend them off from bears and, and lions. And the sheep, what would they do in return? Wander off. Get stuck in, in problems and, and, and bushes. There's no glory given to the shepherd. Overwork and underappreciated. However, Psalm 23 begins and says, The Lord is my shepherd. The great God is the lowly shepherd. Charles Spurgeon says, What condensation, condescension is this? That the infinite Lord assumes towards His people the office and character of a shepherd. It should be the subject of grateful admiration of the great God allows Himself to be compared to anything which will set forth His great love and care for His people. Condescension is a great term for this line in this psalm. John Stevenson puts it this way. Significant and beautiful as this emblem of a shepherd is, David seems to have felt that he could not adequately express the greatness and the excellency of the Lord's condescension towards him. God would call Himself the shepherd of his people in Psalm 100, or as we read this morning, we are the sheep of his pasture in Psalm 95. We see this humiliation, condescension in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, as he comes to earth. He does not call himself king. But Christ explains that He is the Good Shepherd. Christ says in John chapter 10, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down the life for His sheep. The Good Shepherd gives up His life that the sheep might be able to live. Christ in His lowly estate comes as a shepherd to be able to collect His sheep. Now if that bizarre statement wasn't enough, this psalm also says that we are His sheep. That God is the shepherd and we are His sheep. Now how beautiful this statement is that the Lord is my shepherd. But I doubt we have ever thought of what this actually makes us. That if God is a shepherd, then we are His sheep. 
I'm playing on the playground and everyone has to choose an animal to be able to make believe, I doubt any child is going to say, I want to be the sheep, I want to be the sheep. Maybe a lion or an eagle. People who go out and get tattoos, cover themselves with dragons or lions or things like this, or even beautiful animals. Hardly ever would I think that someone would get a tattoo of a sheep. Most people probably don't want a sheep as their spirit, spirit animal. I'm saying all these things not to be able to point out their, their uh, beneficial nature of these, but just to point out as an illustration that no one seeks to be a sheep. A sheep does not have any teeth to bite back. They're not fast to any, any other animal. They're not strong. They're not that smart, especially when you isolate them from other sheep. They wander off, putting themselves at danger just to be able to eat some more. But the beautiful statement saying, the Lord is my shepherd, is admitting that we are sheep. But in this, we understand the essentials of the gospel message. That just as a a sheep needs a shepherd, a sinner needs a Savior. That the gospel message is that we have no defense in our own. That we are helpless and useless without a shepherd. That we as sheep are prone to wander after anything that grabs our attention with our small brain. And many of us love to be able to recite this psalm, but I doubt. Many of us have actually thought about what we're actually calling ourselves when we recite this psalm. That we love to be strong and stable. We think of ourselves highly. We think we have no need of a shepherd. We can do this on our own. But when we recite this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, what we are implying is that we are sheep in need of a shepherd. We want a shepherd. It's a hard pill to swallow in this psalm. But also the opposite. Just pretending not to be a sheep does not make us not sheep. We are sheep. And if the Lord is not our shepherd, then we are being cared for by hired hands. Who cares nothing for the sheep? When a wolf comes, he leaves the sheep and runs. No good, deny, no good comes from us trying to play that we are more than sheep. The cry of a believer is that I am a sheep in need of a shepherd. And the Lord is my shepherd. Joe Beakey explains this confession more elegantly. Lord, I am as dependent, as foolish, as wandering, and as stubborn as a silly sheep. Break me down. Take away my legs, Lord. I need the Redeemer's shepherd. Shall it ever be well with me for time and eternity? I'm dependent, foolish, and wandering, and stubborn as a silly sheep. When we say, the Lord is my shepherd, that is what we are saying. Then we come to the third bizarre 
part of this statement. The first two points I think I've made are strange to our ears. But I think the combination between these two is the third thing where we say that He is my shepherd. To say that God is shepherd is a bizarre truth. To be able to say that God is, we are sheep is a bizarre truth. But this is the glue that holds this glorious line together. My is a small but yet tremendous word in this psalm. It shows the personal nature of this psalm. Now it's interesting here that David does not say the Lord is our shepherd. You think about having sheep and this collective nature of how we think of sheep. That he would say something like the Lord is our shepherd. Like he does when he, Jesus teaches the Lord's prayer. Our Father uses this in Psalm 100. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. But how small a word makes a great difference in one theology. But in English, it's, it's two letters, its own word. In Hebrew, it's merely just a, a marking at the end of a word. Martin Luther said, the sweetness of the Gospel lies mostly in pronouns such as me, my, thy. Who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Christ Jesus, my Lord. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven. George Swinock says, all our consolation needs consists in this pronoun. He is my God. All the joys of the believer are hung on this one string. Break this, and all is lost. It's not merely just saying that the Lord is a shepherd, or that we are sheep, but it's this, this word that joins these two glorious truths together. That the Lord is my shepherd. Spurgeon explains this of the word my, the sweetest word of the whole of the whole is that monosyllable my. He does not say the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large, and leadeth forth the multitude of all his flock, but he says the Lord is my shepherd, and he is a shepherd to no one else. He is a shepherd to me. He cares for me. He watches over me. He preserves me. And the words are all in past tense. The psalm is not merely just saying that God is a shepherd and we are just sheep. The two must be joined together. You must say emphatically, the Lord is my shepherd. Because there is no comfort to be found if the Lord is not your shepherd. There is no comfort at all. There is no victory over your enemies. You read the rest of this psalm, none of it will make sense if the Lord is not your shepherd. 
you'll be wanting. You'll be trying to find the green pastures, the, the quiet waters. Your soul would be unsettled. There, there will be no paths of righteousness in which you walk down. There is no comfort in the valley of the shadow of death. There will be evil around you and you will be afraid. There is no comfort from the rod or the staff. There's no table. You're just surrounded by enemies. There's no oil upon your head. There's no goodness and mercy that will follow you. And there's no house at the end where you shall dwell with Him forever. If you don't understand that word, my. But the challenging part of this psalm is to be able to connect that to you. To honestly say, is the Lord your shepherd? Jesus explains what it means to be one of His sheep. In John chapter 10, again, in verse 27 and 30. My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. I give them eternal life, and they never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of My hand. My Father, who has given them to Me, is is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus explains what He does as the Good Shepherd. He knows His sheep. He protects His sheep. He said previously that He lays down the life for His sheep. But here Jesus says two things that His sheep do. They hear His voice and they follow Him. Now if thinking of yourself as a lowly sheep wasn't enough, The truth is that the sheep only finds comfort in this psalm when he has the Lord as his shepherd. That the sheep is protected by the shepherd. So the question is, when we say with a loud and glorious voice, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We understand the realities of that statement. Maybe we want to shrink back when we're to ask, do we hear the shepherd's voice? Do we follow the great and glorious shepherd? Say this not to fill us with guilt, but to drive us to gratitude because of His grace He's shown us towards us. That He is the one who has come down to us. John Stevenson again puts it so well. How glorious is the being whom sinful man here calls his shepherd. How great is condescension in undertaking this office. How complete is his qualifications. How abundant are his resources. How faithful his performance of his duties. How perfect and infallible shall be his success when we realize whether we like it or not, that we are but sheep. And we need a shepherd. And who would we turn to? Who do we say, He is my shepherd? And you look through the, the qualifications and the shepherd applications and see all the hired hands and they are horrific. They left their last position because they did not want to protect the sheep. Where do we go? 
whom do we turn? When we learn more about the Good Shepherd as we go through this psalm, I pray that we learn to love to say this statement, the Lord is my shepherd. We see how He provides, how He looks after us, how He restores us, feeds us, leads us, disciplines us, walks with us. Once we realize this glorious truth of this perfect shepherd, then we will long to say, oh, that I should dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We say with a bold and affirming voice, the Lord is mine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give You the most praise and glory and adoration as we read these simple words in Your Scripture but with profound truth. Lord, forgive us when we have thought of ourselves more highly than we ought. When we think of ourselves as great and noble, but when we read the Scriptures that we are compared to as sheep, Lord, we give You thanks and praise that You came down to us, to our level, to be the shepherd of Your sheep. Lord, we pray that as we go about our lives, we would seek to be able to live out this phrase and this sentence, the Lord is my shepherd. Help us to be able to to shape our lives around this glorious truth. Convict us where we have sought to be able to turn to the promises of the world, we have turned and thought we have no need for You. Help us to understand the glorious shepherd, how You care for Your sheep. Help us to want and to long and to know that we are Your sheep, the sheep of Your pasture. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.